I'm like bad at the social stuff, but like my brain is just critical thinking. That's all it's built for. Um, that's how I'll describe it. Um, about 12 hours a day, I'm, I'm spending my time just critically thinking about everything. And it's not exhausting. It's not tiring. And there's generally like things I'm obsessed with. Um, and that's how we're able to find all these unique strategies and keep going relentlessly. Um, and that's why I tried eight businesses, because it's like very easy for me to come up with these new ideas. What's up, everyone? I'm Alex Lieberman. Yo, this is Jesse Pucci. And this is The Crazy Ones. What's up, misfits? Welcome back to another episode of The Crazy Ones. Now, before I talk about today's show, I have one small housekeeping item. Jesse and I are drowning, absolutely drowning in emails from listeners, and we love it. So I just want to keep us drowning. Shoot us an email saying hi, two letters, H-I, to the crazy ones at morningbrew.com. It will take 15 seconds and Jesse and I will 100% get back to you. We've had so many cool conversations with hundreds of listeners at this point. Now, let me talk about today's guest. We have an incredible founder on the show today. And I was irrationally pumped to do this episode because this founder has such a dynamic story. We talked to Isaac Maderos, founder of Mini Katana Store. Isaac has built a $10 million a year business selling samurai swords, and he's done it by building a content empire on TikTok and YouTube. Mini Katana Store has 2 million subscribers, gets 300 million views per month, and its most viewed video ever shows a jacked samurai cutting a bullet in midair. On top of that, we talked to Isaac about what it was like failing seven times in business before having the win with Mini Katana. We talked to him about living with autism and how he leans into his unique strengths, why he bought SwordDaddy.com and what he plans to do with it, and why virtual YouTubers or VTubers are a trend that any entrepreneurial mind should be paying attention to. Let's do this thing. Isaac Medeiros, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's it's an honor and a pleasure. So I think I first found out about you when it was either a thread you did or someone else did, and it was about how your YouTube was growing 200,000 plus subscribers a month, you're getting 300 million views a month, and uh, and then I found out also it was all about katanas, uh, f which for those of you listening who don't know what katanas are, what's the best way to describe them? Samurai swords? Yeah, they're Japanese samurai swords. Yeah, so that's that's how I first found out about you, and then I started digging more into your story, and you just have such a fascinating dynamic story to tell and before we talk about everything related to uh your business and to youtube i want to start early on because i think your early story is also as interesting tell tell me about you, your journey of coming to the us you talk about you know your mom working really hard to get you here and what just growing up was like for you sure um so i was born in brazil um my mom kind of knew like Brazil is kind of like Brazil's great if you're rich or your family has connections but if you're like a nobody who can't afford things it kind of sucks so my mom always knew let let me give my kid the best possible future but let's get him to the U.S. um so I had managed to she managed to get me to the U.S. when I was eight um and then she met my stepdad and my stepdad was running an agency and that was like my first exposure to entrepreneurship so from a very early age, that's all I wanted to do, um, just be an entrepreneur. 
I remember being like 14 or 15 and seeing like a Mark Cuban interview and he was just talking about like all his failures, right? Because Mark Cuban is like honest mm-hmm. about his journey and he's like, yeah, if you try hard enough, like you can always make it work. Um, so I ended up basically dropping out of school, uh, military boarding school, uh, high school, and I just like kind of went straight into it. Um, this is actually my eighth try at business and it's like the only successful one but the, i think the success was supersized just because I, I i basically knew what to do after every attempt i'll just take every key lesson and apply it to the next one and it was kind of methodical you just didn't too, do where, anything that you did in those first seven ones basically yeah right? exactly so you eliminated all potential of, of... <laughs> yeah and and it's funny that the weirdest one ended up ended up succeeding right like it's just I what don't know. were the other ones by the way what were the seven other businesses Sure. Uh, so I did an e-commerce store where we like put your dog's face all over these pajamas and that was called Pups and PJs. And that was just like did not work for Facebook ads and I did not know what I was doing. Um, another one was a social media app called Gaggle and it just died because of the pandemic. Uh, because it was like, you know, we were using college campuses to market it. It barely launched two months in. The pandemic hits, everything closes and I can't market it anymore and I need to give up. Um, I've done like a fintech app that just failed. Um, I just, I've tried everything I could think of. And it was always like the average lifespan was always eight months. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I'm, I'm like, even today in my business, we find these things that are like produce hypersized outcomes because we're willing to try everything. And as soon as it feels like this is not going to work or it's too hard, we move on to the next thing. Yeah. So you have no shame just calling it quits on something if you know that the opportunity is not there. And at no point in this, obviously, have you lost faith in your ability to build a business. Yeah. I mean, look, you, you need to believe in yourself. Like, that's the first requirement, right, uh, as an entrepreneur. Um, but it's just statistics. Like, yep. that's, it's, just, it's hard to build a business, and you're not going to succeed on the first try. Do you think the eight months is more a business-related thing or more a Isaac-related thing? Like, that's – go ahead. Yeah, um, I think like because it takes a few months to build the thing and then a few months to try it out. So like in my experience, it might take me like a quarter or three months to like actually build whatever it is because you need to develop a product or whatever you're doing in MVP. And then like, you know, four four months after that, I'm just testing different ways to scale it or approach it. And so maybe what it's a nice thing. What? So in these seven businesses that you started prior to to the current one, what are some of the lessons or the fuck ups that you have that uh, that now you like you can name and just know you're not going to do these things for your current business? The biggest lesson was like um, all my a lot of my previous businesses required fundraising, and if you're a nobody, it's really hard to fundraise. Uh, you need some sort of credential, whether that's college. Um, there's VCs out there. They're like, yeah, we invest in dropouts. They don't actually invest in dropouts. They're all lying. Um, so like that was actually the biggest lesson and the reason why I went back into e-commerce because I was like, what is the like easiest possible, lowest capital thing I can possibly do? And the answer is actually like the oldest business on the planet, which is selling physical things that people want. Um, so that's why I went back into e-commerce. Um, I, I can go over more lessons, but I think that's a really important one. Yeah, so what are the other ones? What was the most devastating failure? Um, it was the FinTech one. It took me like 60K of savings to build. Oof. And it's just like that was personal money. What was the idea? I, like, what was the business? It was like it was it was actually pretty dumb when I think about it. It was um <laughs> it was payment processing 
And then like we would use the payment processing uh, to pick up data on customers and the stores for small businesses. And then like we do loyalty programs based on like the cards. So like they automatically enrolled with the cards. And it was just like, I underestimate how complicated that industry is. I think you guys know how complicated it is. Um, we actually launched successfully. It's just like, I could not fundraise to like properly scale the thing. Hmm. Super interesting. And so one other thing I want to just ask about kind of, let's call it pre there's, I look at two things pre mini Katana store and post mini Katana store. The other thing, um, you know, you wrote this really, I would just say amazing and vulnerable thread about yourself, uh, about a month ago, it was like middle of January. It was, you got to 7,000 followers on Twitter. You wrote seven things you probably don't know about me. We'll, we'll link to it in the show notes because I loved it. The third thing you shared is you said, I have autism. When I was young, I struggled a lot. But after learning my weaknesses and strengths, I've been able to really lean into what I'm good at. The difference is a part of the reason why I'm able to find strategies that are so unique for my business. Just expand on what growing up with autism was like and how it was difficult for you. And then kind of today, as you fast forward and you think about in your maturity and more tools that you've gained as an entrepreneur, how you actually leverage it as an advantage. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's little things. Like I had a lisp. So people might actually catch on to that. Um, as I'm talking, uh, it's still like very small, very small way there. Um, or like if there is, if it's a large group of people, it's a large gathering. I have a very hard time understanding what everyone's like intuitively feeling just based on their face. Right. Mm. Uh, that doesn't mean like, I don't care. It's just like, I, it's a hard time. <laughs> um, but the other side of that is I was very obsessed with the things I was obsessed with. So, um, one of my biggest obsessions growing up top three is like easily anime in Japanese culture. Right. And what I mean by that, when I say, Hey, this lets me build unfair advantages is I'm like, I recognize the opportunity in the anime industry when nobody else did. And the sword business is actually just like an extension of me knowing that customer base very, very intimately, more so than like almost anyone I encounter, um, even other people who are obsessed with it. So all the products we build today are just following that passion and understanding what my people will buy. I think it's a billion dollar opportunity. It's just a matter of like expanding there. How many hours uh, of anime content have you consumed, do you think, in your life? I mean, tens of thousands. I've watched One Piece, which has a lot, like 1,300 episodes three times. So, <laughs> wow. you know, uh, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm a mega nerd. Yeah, no, it's amazing. And so, yeah, Jesse, go ahead. Talk about autism a little bit more for people who are listening to it, you know, and, and what does it mean? You know, how, it sounds like you turned it into a superpower in different ways, but I'm, I'm curious just for those who aren't that familiar with it, what exactly is it? What are the challenges that it creates for someone like yourself and others? And, and then if you have one or two anecdotes for either how it's really been a challenge or really, really been a, a yeah. positive, that would be awesome. Sure. Um, I'll say it just means my brain is wired a little bit differently on, on a high level. And what that means is I'm just worse with uh, understanding what people are basically how, how like if you react a certain way like i won't understand it intuitively like most people it's like built on logic almost mm. just through experience so as a kid you really struggle because you don't have any of that experience and that's why high functioning people with autism when they're adults like you might not even notice it mm. because they have had like 10 years 20 years of experience just interacting with people and now they know what to expect right 
So that's the first thing. Like my interactions with people are built on this expectations and experience, and it's not necessarily intuitive. Um, the second thing is that the like it's just because I'm I'm like bad at the social stuff, but like my brain is just critical thinking. That's all it's built for. Um, that's how I'll describe it. Um, about twelve hours a day, I'm I'm spending my time just critically thinking about everything, and it's not exhausting. It's not tiring, and there's generally like things I'm obsessed with. Um, and that's how we're able to find all these unique strategies and keep going relentlessly. Um, and that's why I tried eight businesses because it's like very easy for me to come up with these new ideas. I will say like anecdotally, um, like as examples of how this plays out, this was recent where I got into an Uber with my girlfriend and the Uber driver was making like, he was playing a joke, right? Where he was like, you know, I know you're going somewhere, but let's pick up a Starbucks real quick. And he was like saying it in a joking tone, but I didn't recognize it. Like, I didn't recognize the joking tone. I got pissed at him. I was like, no, we're not going to Starbucks. That's stupid. We're paying you. And my girlfriend was like, Isaac, Isaac, <laughs> he's joking. <laughs> and the Uber driver was like, yeah, I'm joking. But like, that still happens, right? Yeah, right, right. Like, that'll always happen. Um, but that's like where I struggle. But do it, you, think, it is do such... you feel less emotions yourself? Like, do you yourself? No, but I don't understand them. <laughs> so like... Um, if I'm really overwhelmed, like, it's like, why am I overwhelmed? It could be as simple as me being hungry. And I just won't understand that. Mm. Um, wow. And it'll take me like a few more hours to process that than somebody else. So like all the bad things in my life are a result of me not understanding myself uh, or other people, what they're thinking. So, I mean, it sounds like it's very clear in your business where this can serve you, which is... Uh, it sounds like you you can have an abundance of ideas. You ha can have an obsession around the thing that you're doing. So you have an obsession with Mini Katana Store right now. Uh, you had an obsession with anime for your whole life, other things as well. Um, and I can imagine like in critically thinking about just your business, like how to have a sound business. I can imagine you being really strong at that. Where I could see it obviously becoming difficult is, you know, we were going back and forth on Twitter and I think I'd, I'd asked you, how many folks are on your team? And I think you told me like 11 full-time, 16 script writers. Like you you have people, like a lot of people yeah. in your business now. I can imagine that becoming more and more difficult in terms of managing people effectively, understanding kind of the way you need to communicate to them such that they're mo the most motivated and feel good about working with you. How have you tried to, like what tools have you established to try to at least make that weakness or blind spot for you not weak enough where it can really hinder the business. Sure. Um, so I want to start off by saying, I think because I don't understand people intuitively, I am forced to think about people more like than somebody normal would. Um, I spend a lot of time thinking about how people are feeling about me or, you know, some experiences 10 years ago, I still think about like I could have done this a lot differently. Wow. And you'll find a lot of people with autism have the same issue where they overthink situations just because they didn't understand them like at the time. Right. Um, but what I've really done is I just, I try to hire the best people to manage the people. Um, and I, and I put a lot of faith and trust in my team. So one of these people is like Carly. I brought her on two months ago. I convinced her to leave her agency somehow, uh, which she owned, um, and come work for us. And she's just, uh, quickly taken over like a lot of the support, uh, and marketing departments on my team. And she kind of, it's very hands off for me. And now I can focus on the things I'm strong at. And that's all, what I've always done. I tried to hand over leadership responsibility because I know I'm going to be weak there. Yeah, I want to back up a little bit. Alex mentioned you, you know, some stuff to me, but 
what's the eighth times the charm story here? Like what actually happened? How did you succeed after, you know, what is the business? What does it do? How do you make money? Just tell us all about it. Sure. So I, the mini Katana founding story goes, I found this samurai themed letter opener at a gift shop and I was really excited about it because I had never seen something like that. I, it was 50 bucks and I bought it and brought it home and it fell apart. It sucked. Um, but I recognized, Hey, this is actually a pretty cool product. Let's just make a better version of it. And that's actually a pretty common thread with like all entrepreneurs that own large businesses. They've just made a slightly better version of something. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was my first product and I tried Facebook. What year is this? This was, man, it's been such a blur 20 late, super late 2020, like December, November. Um, so you're 23 at the time. Yeah. And um so i i try facebook ads and i get like a three ROAS out the gate or something crazy and i was just like i don't know what like i don't know anything about ads but i know like i'm getting a return on my money and it looks really good when i show it to other people so i had a, like a good product some and people don't know clear, what ROAS is so tell us what does that mean what does ROAS mean and what were the actual numbers if you can share them yeah it's like return on ad spend so for every dollar you spend for every dollar i spent i got like three bucks back and, and um, the product just to be clear the product was it the like the exact was it the the opener, the the, the yeah. envelope opener? Okay, that was yeah. your first product. It was it was just a better version, and that product it was it was basically a success. But Facebook ads banned us because it was mm. a weapon, right? Mm. And there's no like way to reach out to somebody at Meta, and I think that's Meta's biggest problem is just like doesn't care about advertisers, uh, even though it's their business. Um, did you so, hold on? Did you source this? Like, did you sell it? Did you try to sell it before you had had the product? Like, tell us the real, the inner. What were the what were the specifics of sure. that story? I mean, I when I found the product, I just went. I didn't know how to manufacture anything, but I watched some YouTube videos, and I think they were drop shippers. Like that's what I was watching because that's what you encounter at first. Um, but I went on Alibaba and I just started matching every manufacturer until one of them was willing to make it limit like small unit count for like five, $5,000. And I maxed out my credit card to do that. And I basically remember lying. Like I was like, yeah, we're really big and we can like get 10,000 units of this. I just need like a few hundred samples to make sure the quality is there. And that's how I managed to get a manufacturer to like do it and take it seriously. Genius. Um, but yeah, I, I launched with Facebook ads and it like worked. Right. So I was like, yes, we have a business, but the band was devastating. Um, I remember the journal entry about it. I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm going to give up. I'm like, I'm going to go get a job. <laughs> and uh, I tried like Pinterest ads, Twitter ads, everything I could think of after that. Snapchat broke even. But what ended up working was a TikTok video. Mm-hmm. And not the first one. It was the second one. And we got 4,000 views and one sale. But like, that's all I need. What, what, what was the video? It was like, a, it was just like unboxing a big katana with my mini katana. That was a concept. It was just like a really good hook. It's an interesting hook. Um, so at this point, by the way, you've gone into other products now because you just said like mini katana and big katana. But okay. you st- just yeah. to clarify, I bought this big katana for the video. Like, Got it. <laughs> from Got Amazon it. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I may be skipping a few steps here. No, it's all good. Um, but I posted this video. I got a sale. And then I posted more videos. And then New Year's, I sold out of the letter openers because one of them just blew up. Got 100,000 views. And that's the business. Everything we do today is just like a very extreme version of that. And, and were you were you banned from every advertising platform or just Facebook? 
just Facebook and to anyone out there, like Snapchat is desperate for your dollars. They'll be more friendly. Twitter is more desperate for your dollars. They're more friendly. <laughs> it's just, well, it's way, just Facebook is. Why didn't you give up? I mean, it, it, this was your eighth business. Were you eight months in around? Like when the, when the, when the Facebook No, this was happened? like three months in. Okay, like so you weren't at in. your eight month mark yet. Yeah. So you had. But you had, also like I maxed out my credit card like for $5,000. And I so had. You're like, products. I got to sell these swords one way or the other. Like. Yeah. This is going to be like um, Alex in six months with the plunge. With my plunge, exactly. No, he's going to get banned from something. The park's going to throw him out, and then he's going to have to run around selling his plunge game. Yeah. I, I think that plunge is the perfect viral product, and that's going to be your main channel if you can crack it. For that's the, the hope. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so you 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 see the TikTok gold. Then what happens? Uh, I run out of stock. Um, the manufacturer is pissed at me because I don't reorder like enough to justify their costs of building it. Um, so I just go on Alibaba and I, I pivot to keychains because keychains are really cheap to manufacture. And like you can find way more people to make that for you. Hmm. So we started like the keychain line. I sold that for three months. And so we started introducing the big swords into the picture. But how are you and selling? These the are business. just making TikTok videos and then that's yeah. driving traffic. I would like air freight things into my small apartment, which was turned into a warehouse at that point. Make a TikTok. It would sell out. And that was really valuable at first because it provided a feedback loop, which like just perfects your craft, right? Right. Because you'd see, you see the sales directly from the video, and we I got good very quickly at perfect like creating perfect hooks, going viral every single time, and selling out every single time. And what and what does sellout mean? Like what what kind of volume of dollars are we talking? Our first month we did like fifty k in revenue. But that's huge, line. isn't it? I mean, that's bigger than anything you'd done. Up until that yeah. point. Yeah. No, I was freaking out though. I didn't think it was real. Uh, like, I was like, this is like, a, I encountered a scam. I don't know. I feel like, I felt guilty. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, you got to, you, you found it feels a hack like in magic. The I don't know if you felt that too, Alex, but the first month we ever made money in business, I thought it was like magic. Like, I was like pinching myself oh, yeah. thinking this can't be real. 100%. Yeah, like a dream come true. Like, <laughs> it was amazing. And, and just, okay. So, to me, there's like a very big stepwise chain change in making a physical product when you go from like letter opener and keychain which you could buy off of alibaba and like they they have these already existing to making full fucking swords how what was the process of because also i feel like something that you're super you place a ton of emphasis on is quality i know you've talked about like color of the swords like how the hell did you set up the supply chain to make exceptional sharp katanas yeah, um, that was really hard. I uh, like I started selling my first swords by just sourcing them from a wholesaler, and they weren't quality, honestly. And um, so that means like the sword already existed; like you didn't have to really change much much about it. Yeah. We gotta get but that Alex. Was like, we gotta get Alex on AliExpress. Alex, your mind will explode. When I was starting the Gateway X stuff. Dude, I have the, the shit around my house. My wife is like, I have a bunch of like really sharp knives. I, I have like, I have random, dude, they're most, you, it's unbelievable the amount of really random things that are kind of interesting and cool that you can source on AliExpress. And then I you mean, just, there's still, yeah, there's still opportunities on there. Like there's tons of niches that are fully unbranded for people listening. Uh, you just need to take a lot of time to research you know like those those thumper things like uh what the, the hyper ices the hyper ices yeah yeah of course yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah, the, you can the get muscle, you, you can off brand one for like 10 bucks and you can wow. call it the morning brew and sell it for 50 
And like, yeah. dude, they, you got to get AliExpress. I was like living on that app for, I'll check for it a good out. three months. It's unbelievable. And that's what do- dropshippers do that. But like their mistake is like, no, contact the manufacturer, make it slightly different. Then you have a real brand. Totally. Um, and improve it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, so I had to end up getting like, uh, I contacted a lot of companies in China. I eventually found an agent who like visited a bunch of factories and we just sampled relentlessly. I think I went through like 50 to 100 samples. Oh my god! Um, what until, scale was like, the I, business at at this point, though? You must have been big enough. It was like a hundred to two hundred a month. Um, and what's the so like, what do you what's the bottom line in that? So you make a hundred grand. What's I don't know if you're willing to share that stuff, but like, what are gross margins? What's EBITDA? They're like, I'll say that our margin, our net is like over twenty percent. It's always been over twenty percent. That's why we've been able to afford to be like to grow fast and be stupid for cash and scale like get onto all these product lines very fast. I think in general, though, for e-commerce now, you have to have really fat margins to exist yeah, uh, and to survive. Like anybody of under 70% is going to, they might die. You're saying under 70% gross margins? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's bad out there right now. I agree. Well, you're, well, you're... well, we'll talk about it in a minute because you've said this before and I don't want to divert from talking about where the business is today, but I just want to remind myself, let's talk about just like your view on DTC because I know like you have a pretty um morbid view on most dtc brands and why it's gonna be very hard for them to survive especially if they're not creating organic content so we'll talk about that in a minute but okay so you went from wholesaler worked with sourcing agent who was working with the factories to make your own swords and then when basically when was the the massive inflection point in the business when did that happen so basically i did something very sneaky when you're growing really fast you don't have cash and if you're like a nobody like me, nobody's going to give you cash, right? So I had this massive issue where I needed to fund swords, custom swords, which are really expensive to make uh, without having any product. So what I did is I made one, a single one after like the happiest sample I got was the, the one sample I used and I pre-sold it. I pre-sold 300 units for like 150 bucks or something. And I included like a free item in there just like as a gift for the pre-sale. My customers waited four months for me to have a product, but I managed to like fund the entire first uh, purchase order with that. And that's like really what really changed my business. So instead of like borrowing money from, you know, high risk lenders or or whoever, like that's what I ended up doing. And were you doing YouTube yet or no? No. YouTube is last year. So this is all TikTok still. This is all you get a shipment, you make a bunch of TikToks. They go viral yeah. and you'd gotten this down to a science, it sounds like. Yeah. And I was still like the only person in the company except like two packers and one CX person. And what was the um, science? Like, well, I want you to tell us two things because I think this is the thing very few people, even in my companies, misunderstand. First, talk about the process, the like the sweat and the blood that go into actually figuring out and then tell us the if you're willing what that formula is. For the videos or like? Yeah, for the videos. Like the videos. how do you, you know, that's not like I think a lot of people think you want to go viral on TikTok? Here, just just here, take a video. Or like people on for Twitter on me are like, yeah, just write the thread. And it's like, yeah, well, no. no, hold on. There's a lot that goes Dude. on underneath there that people don't appreciate. I think I spent like eight hours a day on TikTok, just like trying to make videos for the first year. And then mm-hmm. like another four hours doing sh- shipping stuff and like buying stuff from China. And what'd um, you do in those eight hours? So it's a lot of, like a lot of it is research and just knowing what works on TikTok is being a user on the app, honestly. But after that, um, I would post three or four videos a day. And 
you know, each video will take about an average of an hour to record because I'll do a lot of takes. I'll do a lot of voiceovers and test different things. Would you edit and them or you had an, an, uh, I, an editor? I edited it. I did it all myself. So I was like the creator at this point. Yeah. Um, and what ended up happening is, is like a lot of videos failed. But like that kind of volume made it so it's like, it's like Mr. Beast says, it takes a thousand videos to make one good one. Mm -hmm. um, that's like what everyone misses out on as a creator. Um, wild. And yeah, what did you learn really then? Like what, what became the formula that tended to work? Yeah. So I'll say about 80 or 70% of the video is just like the hook, which is like the first three seconds. Um, if you're an email marketer, it's like the subject line is the yep. most important thing of the email. You know, every marketing form has that thing, right? Um, so it's like the first three seconds, your job is to give people a reason to watch, right? You have to make the video worth watching because otherwise they'll scroll away. So um, what, what's your, what's your favorite few hooks in videos that you've made? Yeah, sure. So like, um, I've done stuff that's ridiculous. Like, did you know that if your katana arrives broken, we will give you our firstborn child. <laughs> like, and that video got 10 million views and we explained our CX process. As and now you don't have your now. firstborn child anymore. Yeah, but like, <laughs> like it's so ridiculous. Like people are like, they sell swords and they're talking about firstborn children. What's I'm going to watch this. Um, it could be as simple as like unboxing product because our our product is so visually interesting that that's a hook, right? For plunge, you might want to do like Man of the Street style where you go around and just like 100 bucks if you can beat me at this game or 100 bucks if you can yep. throw a plunger into the center. Right. Um, that's a hook because we people did that like yesterday. watching the challenge. Yeah, there you go. So there's a lot of ways to approach it. Um, the I, things I, I one thing I, I'm curious, Isaac. One thing that I believe, and you can tell me your version of this. Like, I started writing threads on Twitter, and I've done ver you know in the early days yeah. of Facebook, we would make ads that were like targeting people who loved music and saying like Kanye West says to get a music degree or something. Like we would, and one of the anyone who's done that, and it sounds like all three of us have done versions of it. You did sixty second startup, Alex. Like. By the time the thing makes its way to a best practice hook, it's basically too late, right? I mean, by the time someone says like three things that changed my life, you should do that with your TikToks. I mean, it can still work, I think, but it's not the same as spending eight hours a day and actually experimenting to the point where you come up with what yeah. will become the you know the hooks people Isaac, will write I feel about like in that six was, months. I feel like that was your tweet from the other day. Didn't you have that tweet about uh, Alex Hermosi? Where you're, wasn't that you who had yeah. you know, someone, yeah, where you had the tweet where you're like, even Hormozy, who's built a massive audience in the last 12 months, if you look at his views on TikTok, like the talking head style, like that style is very much tough to get views with now. Yeah, because his editor went around and sold it to other people, and then other people saw it and they started emulating it with other editors, and now everyone does it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's what we did. We like just came up with original stuff. Um, but like my three things were like shock, educate, and entertain and it's very easy to like hook people in with controversy which is like what a lot of the drop shippers do on tiktok whether like i've seen like really stupid stuff like there's a cockroach a fake cockroach crawling in the background of the video <laughs> and like that's a hook because guess what everyone sees the cockroach and they won't shut up about it in the comments totally um well i think to, to even what you're saying like it is just at the end of the day is it unexpected uh is it novel like, does it basically have you like kind of like squinting your eyebrows a little bit or like your jaws on the floor? And to like what Jesse was saying, oftentimes formats that are novel, there's a there's a half life on the novelty. 
because people pick up on what is currently novel. So I think that makes a ton of sense. Okay, so let, let's fast forward to today. Today, give kind of the summary on the business. Uh, how big is the business? Like what, what, will, what are you hoping top line will be for the business in 2023? How big is the team? And how big is your YouTube now? Sure. Um, so let's start with the views. Last month we did 300 million views. We added about 200, give or take 200,000 net new subs across our platforms. Um, and our big achievement, our second YouTube channel finally got 200,000 subs. Um, so that's fun. That's um, awesome. Yeah, like revenue is not our number one target. It's always like views and followers. Um, and what we really look at is how many followers we're getting for those views, because that means people are really committed to you now as a creator. Um, so like that's starting off there. And then for revenue, our target for this year is 15. Um, like we're barely above 10, just so everyone out there knows we're not huge. Um, I think there's a real cap to our market though, because we're such a, we're a niche business, no matter what we do. How, so big, our do job is, the, how big do you think the Katana business without your other products, how big do you think that line can get? Probably 15 to 20. We'll see yeah. it this year because we just have Sorry, so much views awareness. 300 million views a month. Or yeah, a year. Holy a shit! Month. You're yeah, in the wrong, I think by the Isaac, you're in the wrong business, dude. What? What do you mean? <laughs> you're getting 300 million views. I mean, if I had a website that was getting 300 million views, uh, 300 million hits a month. No, yeah, dude. Or, he he thinks of his business as a media company. Like he he said, is their their three metrics are subscribers, views, then revenue. Like if though if that's how you're ordering it, you're you're Yeah, so you well, here's business. the math we should do, Isaac. What's the CPM you're generating effectively, right? That's the whole internet trades on RPM and CPM or RPC and CPC. The whole internet, that's what the whole internet is based on an arbitrage between revenue per impression and cost per impression or revenue per click and cost per click. That's for anyone listening, that's how the whole internet works. And so in your case, you're saying you get 300 million views and let's say 15 million bucks. What's the math on that? That's, you're basically saying how much can he generate uh, in advertising on all those views? I mean, that's the way to normalize the whole internet, right? Is is yeah. basically to do the math on. Uh, so three, that's 300,000. Yeah. 300,000? Uh, yeah. So it's 300 million views in a, in a month. And then this year we'll do 15 million top lines. So we get way more views than revenue. We're actually like a horrible product category when you think about it like that and jesse you're basically saying i don't know what the average like rpm on youtube would be for katana businesses but you're basically just saying like let's just say it was a seven dollar rpm and you get 300 million views a month that's 2.1 million dollars in ad sense you could get well i'm doing the math oh, wait, hold on i'm gonna make sure you do the math so correctly. it's shorts heavy videos so the rpms are really low yeah shorts funds just rolled out it's going to increase over time but, but actually, this math is, is right, dude. You're actually doing quite well because I did 15 million over 300 million. That means you're making on average a nickel of you, which if you divide, if you multiply that by a thousand, that means you're making a $50 CPM. But also remember that it's not like a zero sum game. Like I think Isaac, you told me you're going to do uh, like a good amount in advertising revenue this year, right? Yeah, hopefully. If I'm hoping that RPM goes up because it's brand new. There's not right. a lot of brands on shorts right now paying for ads. Um, but like we're doing other things. We're trying to get sponsors for videos, um, which is like a new initiative. We're also doing collabs, which, you know, we have a lot a lot of reach. So if your brand wants reach, work with us. Um, we're also launching a newsletter when we want to make it the biggest anime newsletter in the world, which we think we can do because of our reach. And that will have yeah. sponsors as well. 
So we're acting like a media company. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think you you this this can be a media business. Given yeah. it's a like also think about what you're best in the world at, which clearly, you know, maybe you make a really great katana sword. I'm not. I don't know anything about them, but but let's. That's probably not what you're best at the world at. And you're best in the world at making amazing content that's engaging, that shocks, educates, and entertains. I mean, what we have is distribution, right? Like that's our model. Yep. Like we didn't get distribution from Meta. We didn't pay for it. We just made it up ourselves with good content. I love it. Um, I want to ask you uh, when we come back from the break about your most viewed short ever, which currently stands at 149 million views. It's a YouTube short of a man slicing a bullet uh, using his katana. But first, a quick break. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, so I was on your YouTube today and... Most popular video is this (laughs) jacked guy, no shirt on, slicing a bullet in midair with a katana. How do you think of this idea? Or how did someone on your team think of this idea? And did you know it would crush before you posted it? Yeah, so this has been done before. Just for like, there's there's a guy in Japan that did this. So we're not original here. Uh, We just like, I think filmed it better. Um, But... I so that video we knew it would do well. We wouldn't know it would do that well. We never know how well a video is going to do. Like that's kind of hard yep. to figure out. Um, it's all just rolling the dice. But I will say that video was also kind of a negative video, and that always shocks people because what ended up happening is we got record views that month, sure for that year, but also we got record low conversions mm-hmm. because that video was too low intent. It's like severely low intent, and it crowds out every other video that's high intent. When you say crowds it out, what does that mean? YouTube starts favoring it so much that it was just pushed that one instead of anything else. That's interesting. So it's like this very happy medium where like you want your channel to continue to grow. You want to get a ton of views, but you actually don't want to be too viral if it's too low intent of a video that's not educating nearly enough about your product. So what we're doing is we're going to get to a billion views a month this year, but we're optimizing that to be converting like converting views. Yep. Um, if we wanted to go really faux aggro with shorts, we could probably like do 500 million views next month, but we with all ridiculous videos. But like, if that doesn't make me money, then I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same thing in paid media, right? Like you're basically looking at your your view to conversion. Like it, it, the same thing happens in Facebook ads, by the way. Like if you have an ad that gets a ton of clicks and engagement, it takes up all your budget and it might not be driving the conversions downstream. And so you actually don't want it. You want to get rid of it. It sounds like very similar. Totally. I want to, uh, in the in the remaining time we have, I want to ask you a few more questions, kind of more related to like business building and how you think about things as a founder. And then actually the last topic I want to talk about is you had done a thread on VTubers and I want to just get your view on that because I think it's fascinating what's going on. Um, first of all, you're a solo founder, right? Yeah. Are you a solo founder by choice? Do, like, do you prefer being a solo founder? And what do you view as the pros and cons of doing this whole journey by yourself on your own? 
I think the biggest con is like sometimes you feel like you're insane because like nobody's going to get you, <laughs> right? Uh, it's a lot easier to be a co-founder. Just that's a very like point blank accurate statement. I think for everyone that's done the solo that will agree with. Um, I think the biggest benefit is I get to do whatever I want, right? And I don't have to argue with somebody about it. But it was also like twice as hard. And I mean, I remember like end of last year, like I almost like broke down. I was just like, I was packing stuff at the warehouse because we did like too much, too many sales. We were sold out for two months. Um, this year we've actually been sold out until like today. We did a restock today. Wow. Um, and I just remember being like, this is too much. Like, I wish I had help. Like, maybe I should like get help. Can I like, and that's when I started looking for like heavy hitter hires, basically. That's what triggered it. Um, and I think like at first it's really hard, but as soon as you get to a bigger size where you can afford the six figure hires, it becomes a lot easier. And so would you recommend uh, others to be a solo founder? I don't think I can like say one way or the other. I think entrepreneurship is not like, there's no one path, right? Everyone's like, I'm selling swords. Like who thought a sword business would get this big? Um, just do whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you taken any money out of the business, Isaac? Like, have you been able to enjoy it at all? Yeah. I mean, I've, Good. I'm like doing okay. Um, but it's mostly reinvested back in. Yeah, I do, think, I do think finding that balance is important. I, I meet some founders who pay themselves forty thousand dollars a year and they grind through it, put keep putting all the money back in the business versus you gotta you gotta enjoy the fruits a little bit as you go. I had like a thing last year where I was like, if I this business if this business gets to like over two million, I'll grow a Jufro. And I remember <laughs> I, like I had to do it. I had a big like Jufro for most of the year. I love um, that. Damn, but, I'm, I'm pissed that you cut it. I would have lo- loved to see that. <laughs> um, my mom was like, this is enough. Like, please. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> station so, intervention. So recently you guys introduced a second category of product, right? Like you've gone into pens. Talk about the decision of when to introduce kind of a second product category. So like how did you know it was the right time without losing focus or diluting your business? And why did you choose pens? So... I think it's the right time when you when you feel like you've reached a cap for your acquisition channel for your current category. And you should start anticipating that. I was talking earlier in the podcast that we're probably going to hit our cap sometime this year, right? Or early next year. And I'm anticipating that. So that's why we're rolling out new product categories. We're doing pens. We're doing apparel soon. And we're also going to try like other experiments, like limited drops and other categories just for fun. But if they work really well, we might do it as a real category. Um, I also think like we're at the size where it can't dilute our business because we we have like people in the right places handling all the right priorities, right? Um, I went into pens because pens are potentially a nine-figure category. Um, and that fixes like the small market size of the sword problem. The real play with the pens is they're actually an ad spend product. So I'm trying to like acquire a new acquisition channel for my customers, if that hmm. makes sense. So you're basically trying to get people that aren't finding your swords via say YouTube, but are potentially interested in katanas, but you haven't been able to advertise them because you're, you've been banned from Facebook advertising. Yeah. And we are being, we're doing it successfully. We launched the pants last month and we've been running ads. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be a low seven figure category this year for us. Um, two more questions for you. And then let's talk about VTubers. The first is you bought SwordDaddy.com. Why did you make this decision? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Have you decided I mean, what you're going to do with it yet? 
probably personal brand, but I, I mean, half the reason why I do things is because it's funny. Yeah. Like, it's a I generally mean, that's what I, good rule of thumb. Yeah, like that's how I've grown on Twitter is just be a little funny. Be my, be yourself. You'll have a lot more friends in life and you'll enjoy it a lot more if you are yourself. I love it. And then the last question for you around the business is one thing you alluded to it earlier, like you're investing more heavily in email because you really think you can build like the go-to email for anime, which I think is like, you know, as, as an email geek, I think it's such an exciting place to create content. The other place you're investing a lot is Discord. Talk about why and how you're leveraging Discord as a powerful channel for the business. So I've seen other brands try to use Discord and they're not, there's no brands really using Discord. I'm not convinced of that, which makes it a very attractive channel for me because when I started on TikTok, there were almost no brands on TikTok. Um, I think if your audience aligns with it, I think like a lot of people are going to figure out that Discord is a seriously powerful channel because it's community and community is a moat and it insulates you from everything else. I think this year our Discord is going to be at a quarter million members. That's the goal. That's wild. Wait, what is that right now? It's at 30,000 and we launched it back in like early November or October. And Um, you're just getting people from like a button on your website and in your email? Yeah, like it was very casual and we ran like one giveaway. One giveaway that was very mediocre drove like 15,000 new people. So the 250,000 number. Swords? Like what are they what's the conversations about? It's like swords, anime. I mean, they all have the sword thing in common, so they have a lifestyle in common. So interesting. And do you think ultimately do you view Discord as um, a marketing and monetization tool or primarily as just a community tool that if you have people in this conversation around this type of content, they will be more likely to purchase goods from you. It's definitely a monetization tool. So um, when you talk to other brands that don't have access to community or reach, um, and I say, look, we have a quarter million Discord members here. Let's do a collab. And also you have to pay us. <laughs> like, uh, you know, that's a good opportunity for other brands to reach new people that are all in a niche. I'll also say one of the most interesting use cases for Discord is not even like monetization or community. It's first party data. Um, what I mean by that is, how did I know pens were a good category? I asked. Mm-hmm. I asked. I talked to them like daily. And because of that, I know exactly what my customers want and what they're thinking. So interesting. And uh, just the last point on that, do you have like a full-time community manager? Like, how are you How are you keeping it somewhat organized and not turning it into like full anarchy? As yeah. you, if you try to get to 250,000 members, like there's a shit ton of organization that has to happen there. We have a mix of like, we have moderators that are mostly yep. like super fans of the brand. Um, and they're like mostly just volunteering on their time. It's awesome. Um, but we're bringing on like a really serious community manager soon here, I think. And uh, like, that's going to be a key part of our marketing mix. Love it. Last question for you. And then we're going to do a startup AMA at the end. It's where we take one of our listeners questions and we can all kind of just go around the horn is you wrote a thread about VTubing explain what VTubing is and why you think it is something that people should pay attention to. Sure. So I, I discovered VTubing ages ago. Um, the first, I just want to tell a story if that's okay. It's yeah, just yeah, wild. Yeah. And then I go to anime expo. I think this was two years ago, or I don't know when it was, but I went there and there was a line of 200 people for an iPad. And I'm like, what's going on here? And it turns out there was a VTuber on that iPad and it was a meet and greet and they all paid like 30 bucks for it. Oh, like the um, actual like virtual, like the the avatar was on the iPad? Yeah, like it was live streaming on the iPad and people were lined up to meet her. And it like, 
actually I saw it taken to the next level in the next event where they hooked her up to like a virtual signature machine that oh copied her God. hand movements and she was doing signatures while live streaming from the iPad. And I was just like, like, I don't know whether this is dystopian or like, I don't know what to think right now, but it's really interesting. So VTubing is when you take a cartoon character or not a cartoon character, you take an avatar, whether that's an anime avatar or whatever theme, and you hook it up to your face, your face tracking and you live stream with that avatar on a platform like YouTube or Twitter, TikTok or whatever, and that's just live stream video, and you create like an online persona without using your actual likeness. So like think of it like anime, but like live streaming. Mm-hmm. So you can watch your favorite anime girl on live stream. And it's interesting because it gives companies the opportunity to build like IP that they own. That's basically a person that can build a parasocial relationship with millions of people. So like, I don't, it hasn't happened yet, but I'm willing to bet that somebody will get to like 10% of Mr. Beast level as a virtual character and that a company owns, which is insane. Well, I mean, it's basically, it's no different than Disney just built on the rails of the internet. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a that's even smarter than what I said. <laughs> yeah. No, well, and I mean, also just to give some perspective here, because like this is very much early days and it's on the upswing. But in your thread, you called out a few of these VTubers, and like they they have like very significant scale. It's like there's one that has uh, Gargura, which is four point two eight million subscribers. Uh, another one has two point one nine million subscribers. And to your point, it's like when a virtual avatar is the personality, all of a sudden you've taken out personality risk. The, you know, the old adage about Disney is like, Mickey Mouse isn't going to do contract negotiations with you. Yeah. You you did an episode about Mr. Beast and you t- guys talked about how he has key man risk. That was yep. a big point of the episode. Yeah, this removes that. So interesting. Amazing. Let's um, do the AMA. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. So for the Startup AMA, we have a uh, question from a listener, and this is a question I've gotten a lot, which is yes or no on family working together in business. What do you guys think? Um, So I've had to fire my mom, so no. <laughs> <laughs> what was she doing for you? She was just... Um, Picking and packing at the warehouse because we needed extra help, honestly. Damn. That was pretty desperate. Isaac but, is ruthless over here. <laughs> uh, I mean, I really didn't want to do it, but... Had to be done. Had to be done. It's but, business first, man. You can't feed your family without your business making money. Yep. Uh, Jesse, what do you think? I think if I had to gun to my head, I have to give one answer. It's no. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, as a general rule, I, th- I think it obviously depends on the personalities, the age differences. You know, my brother interned for me. Like, I, in general, I w- again, I would try to avoid it because it's just, you can't fire, you know, you can't fire your family. You can fire them from your business, but that's, you still have to hang out with them and see them. And uh, it's, it's like classic, the business man in me was just a, it has like low to medium upside and lots of downside, yeah. right? And so just as a, and a simple thing, why would you do that? Yeah, I agree with that statement. As I also say, you know, my mom's been my uh, executive assistant for the last five years. Um, but no, I I generally agree with that. If gone to my head, I'd say no. I think um, at the end of the day, the downside is huge, which is you lose relationships with the most important people in your li- life. It can work. But also it can work having someone who's not your family member building a great business with them. I mean, I'll support my mom without her working, right? Like that's yeah. that's what I want to do, like totally. with my success. 100%. 
Well, this was awesome. Isaac from Mini Katana Store, thank you so much for joining the Crazy Ones. Thank you for having Incredible me. story. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard.